0: Well, good evening. I want to greet you in the precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus. I've been looking forward to this. I don't get to do this very often anymore, but uh, I actually do it more often in India most than I do here, <laughs> which I enjoy preaching over there as well. Um, I've entitled my message tonight. What am I aiming for? And when I get about done with this message, you 're probably going to wonder when's he going to talk about what he's aiming for because it's going to start out somewhere completely different, but believe me I'm going to end with that and this message comes out of the men 's retreat weekend, and for those who were there, you know that we talked about uh, We had a guy named Jay Mass from Hicksville, Ohio who talked about active availability. And he used an illustration from the NBA of two players in the NBA. One of them was named Jeremy Lin, and some of most of you who are basketball players know who Jeremy Lin is, and he was a guy from i think asian descent or i know asian descent who didn't get much playing time and he so he was riding the pine what we call riding the pine and but he was actively pursuing the coaches he that coached him always liked his work ethic because he was always the first guy to practice and the last guy to leave. He always put in more effort than anybody else did. And of course he was with the New York Knicks one time when they had a lot of injuries and he got to play and I guess he lit it up. I was not a witness to it but He played really good. He was actively available. And he contrasted to this, Jay Mass contrasted Jeremy Lin with a player from the Detroit Lions team, not Lions, Detroit uh, Pistons team, who was also riding the pine. But they caught him on camera. He was actually sneaking food in by his bench. And he would be eating during the game, and uh he was not he did not have the work ethic, and he literally was not a good player when the time came to get into the game, he was not ready so when we talk about active availability um, in our men's retreat, we talked about a lot of the things that Merlin is preaching about and what how prepared are we but i want to start tonight in first corinthians chapter 15 because it leads us to where we are going and in first corinthians chapter 15 paul is is writing to the corinthians here but he's talking about the resurrection of christ and I realize tonight that that's not really an issue for you and I. We know that Christ was resurrected. Our faith is in that. But I need to get to the second half of this chapter and look at some of the things that he talks about. He contrasts some very interesting things here. In the first 11 verses here, he talks about Christ's resurrection and he talks about the evidences of it. The witnesses, the people who were there who seen it. Okay? And then the second section of this thing, from verse 12 to verse 34, he does a little bit of an explaining to the Corinthian church because some of them were struggling with believing that there was a resurrection. And he explains this whole situation and how the resurrection of Christ. First of all, if there is no resurrection of Christ, we don't have salvation. We don't have anything to build our faith on. And then he talks about if Christ is resurrected, then we will also be resurrected. And then starting in verse 35, which I want to read here, this next section. Um, He explains what our resurrected body will consist of. He says, But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of a body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies, and what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps a wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one kind, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. What is sown in dishonor is raised in glory. What is sown in weakness is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I don't know how you understand or look at that scripture that I just read. But to me, Paul is making a case for the spiritual man and the spiritual body that we will have. And he uses nature to illustrate it. And I like the way he does that. He uses, first of all, a grain of wheat, which is a form of life that God has created. And he uses that to illustrate how The one dies and the other comes out of that. New life comes out of there. It's growing in power. It's the power of God's creative life. Okay? And then he also uses uh, the human and he talks about the different forms of physical life here on this earth. He mentions the human, the mammals. The birds, the fish, he mentions all of us, and we're different. And so he says, okay, so the spiritual body is going to be different. And then, of course, he uses the sun, the moon, and the stars. He brings those into this. And at first I thought, well, okay, that's similar, but it's not, because Of what he says there that the glory, the brightness of the sun, the moon, and the stars is all different. And even the stars vary in their brightness. And so I think he's giving us a few clues about what the spiritual man is like. You know, we're all different. We're different spiritually. And so... When you read this and you look at this, it speaks volumes to me about the spiritual man. First of all, about how we need to be raised up in the power of Christ. Second of all, how we need to recognize the differences amongst us in the spiritual life. Thirdly, the glory of the spiritual body is going to be different in the resurrection but it's also different in the sense here in the amount of glory because Merlin is up here preaching every Sunday morning and you can tell everybody's here on Sunday morning to hear him. Not everybody's here tonight to hear me because I'm a different, <laughs> I'm different and that's okay, that's fine. I've had people tell me that they struggle to follow my messages and I do. I make leaps and bounds and jumps sometimes and people find it hard to follow me. And I understand that. I'm a very abstract thinker and I sometimes don't put all the steps in place for you guys or for other people. My wife struggles to understand me sometimes too. She's a concrete thinker, which means everything is literal. And so... I understand that. But we're all different. God has created us different. so and, there's, and it's not wrong or right, either one. We're just different. So, when we look at this, I want to read this next section. He comes down there, and of course, the natural man must put on the spiritual man. Keep that in mind because that's going to be very important. I want to read the last section here then, verse 50 through 58. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trump will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory, O death where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? I'm going to stop there for a minute because I want to talk a little bit about that victory that he's talking about here. And I want to illustrate this by going back to Genesis chapter 3. And I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to go back there and read it. But Go back there and look it up and think about something with me. God is pronouncing judgment, first of all, on the serpent. And the thing that I find amazing is that even God's judgment of the serpent, the woman, and the man, his spoken word was creative. Think about it. The serpent, I think, I happen to believe that the serpent was more like a centipede or a millipede with legs. And God spoke and he had no legs. He was going, he said, you will go on the belly and eat the dust of the earth. Second of all, he talked to the woman and he pronounced this judgment on the woman. That she would have pain in childbirth. Now, think about it. Was there any pain before the fall of man? God spoke pain into existence at that point because there wasn't pain before that. And when he spoke to man, what did he tell man? He said, the ground will bring forth thorns and thistles. Those were also creative words because I don't believe there was any thorns or thistles beforehand. Now, whether they were all new plants or whether plants suddenly grew thorns and thistles, whether there was a rose bush and now there was thorns on the rose bush or not, I don't know. But those in a very real sense, were creative words because they spoke into creation something that had not existed before. Now think about Christ and the crown of thorns that he wore. There's also one other thing that came into existence after the fall of man, and that was death. Think about the suffering of Christ and the death that he died. That was all because of the sin of man, the fall of mankind. But God had to create death. He had to create pain. He had to create suffering at that point because no one knew suffering before then. So as you think about the natural man and the spiritual man, and we contrast those two, think about what that means for you and I. Yes, we experience death, we experience pain, and we experience suffering and persecution and things. And yes, those were brought into being because of sin. That's why this next portion of Scripture is so important to us tonight. Death is swallowed up in victory. What victory? The victory of Jesus Christ. We don't fear death anymore because Christ has overcome death. He was resurrected. Okay? Death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. Think about that. The sting of death is sin. Sin came about because of man's unbelief. And death came about because of sin. And then it says... The power of sin is in the law. What does that mean to you and I today? Think about that. The power of sin is in the law. What does that make you think of? I looked it up in the King James Version and it says the strength of sin is in the law. Let me ask you something. If you put a little child in a room with a gift wrap box and don't even mention the box, how likely is it that he's gonna unwrap the box? You think pretty likely? He might, but tell him that he can't unwrap unwrap the box then you know he's going to unwrap the box, don't you? Because if you mention it and tell him, hey, you can't unwrap this box or unwrap this gift until I come back, when you come back, it's going to be unwrapped. That's the power of sin in the law. Because when it's stated that it's wrong, then that's exactly what we want to do, isn't it? That's what the natural man wants to do. That's the difference between the natural man and the spiritual man. Because the spiritual man is not bound by the law. What does that mean to us? Think about it. How come can we not be bound by the law when we're walking in the spirit? It's because we live and our desire is to do better than the law. That's what Christ's focus was when he was here teaching his disciples. He raised the standard of the law. You go back to Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It has been said of old, do this, but I say unto you, do this. Isn't that the power of the Spirit? Because we don't have the power to do that. But the power to do what Christ says is in the power of the Spirit. And the spiritual man can do that. Now, just in case... You don't quite understand this yet, I want to go through this last verse... But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's our answer, okay? That is what makes it possible. That's what provides the power. It's in Jesus Christ. It's in the spiritual man. Now, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable. I'm going to stop right there in the middle of this verse. What are we to be immovable about? Think about that because we're always talking about God moving us out of our comfort zone and going out there and doing something for, for Christ. But Paul is saying, be steadfast and immovable. But what are we supposed to be immovable about? Is it about the resurrection? Is it about the spiritual man? I don't think so. I think what we're supposed to be immovable about is our victory in Jesus Christ. It's all in Jesus Christ. And that's where our focus needs to be. That's where our aim is. Because in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, the very last verse of Matthew chapter 5, he says, Be ye perfect as I am perfect. And I know that's not the exact words, but it says, You must be perfect as my father isn't perfect. So think about this. How are we supposed to be perfect? We live here in the natural body. Do you and I have the capability of being perfect here on this earth? Don't answer that. <laughs> Let's look at Colossians chapter 3. We, we need to keep moving here because I got a story to tell at the end. that's going to take a little bit of time yet. <clears throat> in Colossians chapter 3, the, verse, the first 17 verses here, he talks about putting on the new self. He says, if then you have been raised in Christ, that's a resurrection we've been talking about. Seek the things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's the resurrection. That's mortality putting on immortality. That's the perishable putting on the imperishable. Right? Okay. But when you've read this in the past, have you not thought that you were doing, this is something that we do here? We put off, we put off the old man and we're supposed to put on the new man. When? Here. Now right okay put to death therefore what is earthly in you sexual immorality impurity passion evil desire and covetousness which is idolatry on the account of these the wrath of god is coming in these you too were once walked when you were living in them but now you must put them all away Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk about from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Who is our creator? Christ. We are to be made new in his image. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all in all. Okay? Christ is our one and only. That's what we're to be immovable about. He is my new life. My spiritual life is created in him. Up in heaven. So... That's a challenge, isn't it? That encompasses every part of our life. Now, if you think about Christ's words, to be perfect as God is perfect, how do we live this out? This is where... What am I aiming at comes into view. As you read this scripture, how many times do we aim for perfection? If you think of a bullseye on a piece of plywood out there 150, 200 yards or something, and you're trying to aim at that, Let's say you just come up and you go, oh, that's close enough to the board, I'll just shoot, and boom. Do you think you're going to hit the board? Probably not. But I think so often in our Christian walk, we go close enough is good enough for us. When we're aiming to walk and live our Christian life, how focused are we on perfection? I'm going to tell you a little bit about my work. In my work, most of you know, I scoop up sawdust and I put it in hoppers. And we have two-yard buckets, and believe me, you probably... Well, let's just put it this way. We get sawdust in by the semi-load. And we get in between 15 and 20 semi-loads a day. And in a 24-hour period, all of those semi-loads get scooped up by a two-yard bucket and put into the hoppers. So you can tell how many times we scoop up sawdust and put it in the hoppers. Hundreds of times in a 12-hour shift. I made it my goal not to spill sawdust because every time you spill sawdust, believe me, on concrete, an inch deep pile of sawdust is a bump. And every time you go over a bump with a bobcat, as you know, those tires have no springs, no nothing. And our tires are aired up to 55 to sixty pounds of pressure so there's no give in the tires either and every time you bounce you spill sawdust and I made it my goal not to spill sawdust now think about that when I made that my goal I never expected to reach it but I decided I was going to get as close as I could But I found out that when that was my focus and that was my goal, I learned several tricks that helped me keep and get a lot closer to that. One of those tricks is when you scoop up sawdust, if you give it a quick flick, and you can with the the new skid loaders are very powerful, you can give that bucket a little shake. And that one shake settles that sawdust down and knocks off anything that's clinging to the sides. And when you back away from the thing, if you give that a quick shake, when you go to the thing, you can make it to the hopper without spilling sawdust. Now you have to be able to be smooth with your levers. You can't be power hopping around and just jerking around. You have to be smooth with those things. And those levers, forward is forward, backwards is reverse. But I also discovered you can actually turn that thing, those things, with holding, just skidding one side. Or if you pull both of them, you're spinning right on your spot. That's when you do most of your power hopping. So when I'm backing up and turning... I'm only, one of those levers is skidding, the other one is spinning, because you don't power hop when you're doing that. So I've been operating a skid loader for 35, going on 40 years, and I started on the farm in 1981, was when we purchased our first skid loader, and... I've learned a few things. On the farm, it was sloppy, soupy manure that I didn't want to spill. Here, it's sawdust. And they're a, different, they're a different ball game, literally. But the same thing is true. It's smoothness of operation. But let's say, and I've seen it with many other guys there at work, they don't have a goal of perfection of not spilling sawdust they don't have that goal you should see what it's like when they operate a skid loader because they go into the pile as hard as they can they get as much on there as they can because they don't want to make any more trips than they have to and when they go back they're dribbling sawdust all along and the second time they go they're bouncing like this and they get their bucket full and they bounce back and by the time they get to the thing, they've lost a good portion of what they have in their bucket and it's all spread along this nice smooth concrete that we have there. If I happen to spill something, I always scrape it up the next time on my way to the pile. Now I give this illustration not because I'm bragging about what I do, People, it's not about scooping sawdust. It's about where we're aiming for. And our spiritual life begins the day we profess and believe in Jesus Christ for our salvation. That's when our spiritual life begins. In my spiritual life, I am right around 48, 49 years old. And I have to look. Well, actually, I'm older than that. I'm probably closer to 50 or 51. Um, But a lot of my spiritual life was not focused. It was not focused on being perfect like Christ was perfect. You understand what I'm saying? If we aim for mediocrity we're not even going to make mediocrity. If we aim for perfection, we might make mediocrity or better if the power of the Spirit is strong in our life and we're listening to it. You know, Todd led songs tonight. And when I t- when he said what he was going to lead in songs, I told him, I said, do you hear the Spirit speaking to you when you... Picked those songs? And he said, no. I said, oh, yeah, you did. You didn't know you were hearing the Spirit speak. But think about Christ being our strong tower. And think about that last song. Here I stand. Where? That was my message. And to me, that was not, I mean, yeah, Todd was listening to the Spirit. But that was also a confirmation to me when I hear that he's leading those songs. This is the message I was supposed to preach tonight. And it's a wonderful confirmation because God has done that many times. You see, the spirit is about perfection. And he wants to unite us in our focus. On being like Christ. And I love coming tonight. I don't care about how many people are here. Because I know I'm blessed by. This, is, this message was a bigger blessing to me than it probably will be to you. Because I'm the one that God birthed this message in. But I want to challenge us. What are we aiming for? Are we aiming in our spiritual life, towards perfection in Christ. Because if we're not putting the effort into aiming, we aren't going to get close in our Christian walk, in our spiritual walk. We need to have our focus, focused in on Jesus Christ, like we sang. And being willing to stand... Knowing and trusting and being immovable in the fact that Christ is my life. My spiritual life is born in him. It started in him. And I need to live my spiritual life. It starts. It has started already for all of us who believe in Jesus Christ. Our spiritual life has started. Now, no, we're not going to be perfect. And we're not going to put on the imperishable until Christ returns. I'm not saying that. We are not bringing God's kingdom here on this earth, although we are representatives of God's kingdom. I'm not. Dan <laughs> challenged me when I, I shared a little bit of this message that weekend with four guys out here when we were in a prayer group together. And Dan was saying, oh, that sounds almost like we're bringing God's kingdom here on this earth. No, I'm not saying that. You, you guys know. It's about Jesus Christ being first in our life and our aim and our focus being on him. That's what brings our spiritual life a lot more peace, a lot more consistency and a lot more steadfastness and immovable. You know, yes, God can move us and he needs to move us. Not that we're not going to be active in the kingdom. we are because God's going to use us if our focus is on Jesus Christ. And we're doing what this these last uh, six or six verses here that talk about in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, you know it's going to make our life, our spiritual life a bunch more meaningful when we're doing these things when we're singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And I trust that you were doing that tonight because it really blessed me when we sang those songs. Because every point that I had here was in those songs. If you went back and looked at them after I preached the message, now you would see how much of those songs had my message in it. It was all about. So I hope you were encouraged tonight. I, I don't want to be a downer about this. I want this to be an encouragement to us. That in our walk, we're focused on Jesus Christ. So praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. It is our life. It gives us life. And Lord, I love the way your spirit leads and guides each one of us in our walk with you. And I trust, Lord, that as we go about our work this week, that we can be focused on who Jesus is and how we can follow him. Lord, narrow our focus to those things that we are weakest in, because in our weakness, he is strong. And Father, we want to be careful to give you the honor and the glory in all things. I pray in Jesus' precious name.